Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, Koto listeners. You are tuned into KOTO Telluride. This is Julia Caulfield. I am your host for this evening's Off the Record program. It's going to be a fun one today, guys. We're going to play some music. We're going to do some talking because in studio with me, I have the newest member of the KOTO News team. You might have heard his dulcet tones over the past few days if you're an avid news listener i am joined by i'm gonna get this last name correct gavin mcgoff did i do that right hello that was correct yes um gavin is with Kodo news for the summer he's gonna be producing some stories he's already done some really brilliant stuff shout out to the pie contest um what what is a dulcet dulcet a dulcet like dulcet tones it's dulcet like s- tone. smooth and like soft sultry hmm. do you think it's related to dulce maybe maybe i would not be surprised some dulce pies and some dulcet tones gavin is also engineering the hour tonight. right if my if the levels are off <laughs> it's me to blame um yeah don't blame me if the levels are off <laughs> yeah and uh i learned to project on radio because uh at my college station Nobody would speak loud enough, so I would say, get close to the mic. Oh, there you uh, go. And speak loudly into it. Um, so maybe I have to adjust to a whole new mic now, um, or else my dulcet tones will be... Popping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so let's just start there, Gavin. Um, so yeah, you are here with us for the summer to be reporting for the news, um, but you have a background in radio um, from Williams College. You just graduated, and you were involved in the radio station there... Tell me about it. All the way from WCFM, um, which Wick is Wickfam, Wickfam out of uh, yeah. It, de- it depends on which vowels you choose, um, but I chose Wickfam. Uh, all the way out of Williamstown, Massachusetts. Do you know if the the titles are regional? Like, are all are, th- are all the LKs in Colorado? Oh, fun fact! This is a thing that people may or may not know. All radio stations west of the Mississippi start Mississippi River start with the letter K, and oh. all radio stations east of the Mississippi River start with the letter W. Okay, there we go. Do not ask me why. Regional in the broadest sense. Yes. And broad strokes of regions. Uh, yeah. So I went from the W's to the K's. Um, we'll see if it's an upgrade or not. Yet it's the old. East Coast, West Coast divide. You're at KOTO Telluride. It's clearly an upgrade. Okay, that's true. <laughs> um, but Koto aside, uh, I have never lived on the West Coast before. So yeah, I went to. I grew up in New Hampshire. Went to school uh, in uh, in Williamstown at Williams College, um, at uh, where I was the. I I don't know what my title was. I was on the board of WCFM. Um, and I think that I was like internal affairs or something is what we called it, but it was a lot of training. Okay. Um, so I would, all, all the new GGs would come on and they would have their little radio voice and I would say, you have to be louder. Um, and then I would show them how to use the board, which I am learning how to use, uh, this board. So it's just like, it's our, it's like our roles are switched. Yeah. Role reversal. Um, because Julia just showed me how to quote unquote engineer, which is a pretty cool term for, uh, 
for what I was teaching those uh, college students how to do. Um, and then I had a radio show that was um, Thursdays at five. It was Thursdays at five, but we've, we eventually had to move it because both my uh, friend and I, my co-host and I were taking a class Thursdays at five. Well, so then we had to go to Mondays at eight. A.M. or P.M.? P.M. Okay. Yeah. Um, what got you? What got you into? How did you get involved in the radio station? In your or like, what got you into being in radio in the first place? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I just grew up with radio and really loved it. I was one of those families that like always had it on in the kitchen. Basically, uh, if you think about like, oh, what makes you feel like you're home? It was that. That was definitely one of those things, and. I just loved like NPR weekend programming. I was into that. Um, then I had never really thought about making it until I came to college and my co-host who, uh, Lily Goldberg, shout out to her, um, who is still in Williamstown, even though she graduated. Um, she and I led a, an outdoors a student orientation trip together our sophomore year and she signed us up for a radio show um and from there it was just fun to be on air but it was not really it wasn't really radio it was just kind of like talking um although maybe that's what we're doing right now i'm yeah, trying I, to channel that i would I'm argue to that is that. radio yeah <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> i mean okay so you asked me how i got into radio and then it's just like well at a certain point you just have to admit you like to hear yourself talk um <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I enjoyed like making some podcasty things. I've, the first radio piece I made was about my grandmother who had, has Alzheimer's. Um, and reading Daniel Deronda with her, um, over Thanksgiving break. Cause that was an assigned reading. Um, it was just great to put together. I love to like work with the material of the little voices on the thing, clipping them together. Um, Yeah. What's your favorite NPR weekend program that you grew up with? And what was the radio station? That is a good question. I don't know the call numbers for that specific station. I know it was 89.5 out of Windsor, Vermont. Nice. So it was Vermont Public Radio. Um, there was a river between us, to be clear. I didn't live in Vermont. Um, <laughs> you would never dare to say. <laughs> right. I mean, like, yeah, the twin state rivalry. Um, we have to honor certain things um about who is who but i will say vpr uh great member station and hmm i my first love was like uh the quiz show what's that one called wait wait don't tell me yes yeah yeah that's good stuff uh, i loved paula poundstone oh, i love paula poundstone yeah um but, you know, as I, as my tastes refined, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, the other people who were on when I was a real kid who my dad liked were uh, the car talk Yeah, click and guys. clack. Click and clack, yeah. yeah. Yes. And Garrison Keillor. Garrison Keillor's show, which had a great second life um, that ended during the pandemic. That was, that was... Uh, I don't know. Beautiful radio. Love the love the live radio of Prairie Home Companion. What was that? Um, they they turned it into live from here. Live from here. And yeah. they um, recorded a live from here 
here. Stop. At, at the Telluride Bluegrass Festival a couple of years ago. Stop. Yeah, because it was Chris... Thiele. Thiele. An amazing bluegrass musician. Mm-hmm. And, as, he, and Aoife O'Donovan was always on the show. She was listed as a guest, but that she never was not there. So... Gavin, you missed bluegrass this year. I know. You got here right after. I know. How do you feel about that? Well, I feel like I was in France, actually. Uh, okay, um, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like the bluegrass musicians missed my luxurious French vacation. Um, no, but we have a bluegrass festival in the Berkshires at Mass Mocha, which is a really fun event. And actually made me a lot there were free tickets for students being able to get those free tickets uh made me a lot more interested in bluegrass music even though i loved chris Dealey, punch brothers like mandolin whatever um then i was like oh there's a whole genre it's very great uh so naturally i was both pleased to learn that there's a bluegrass festival here and sad to miss it yeah um, because I would have loved, and some of them had even I had even seen before, in Williamstown, um, Green Sky Bluegrass mm-hmm. had been there. Uh, I never saw Rhiannon Giddens, which would have been. She awesome. was great. Yeah, she was great. Um, but yeah, you guys had a real legitimate lineup. So Stacked I was sad to miss it. I was year. sad to miss it. Well, so on that note, as I mentioned to at the beginning of the show, well, I'm going to say a couple things. One, if you have a question or a comment for Gavin, give us a call. 970-728-4333. You are tuned in to Off the Record on KOTO Telluride. Um, I mentioned we're also going to play some music. So since we were on the subject of bluegrass, I'm going to vamp right. for a little bit while Gavin is able to think of um, what's a favorite bluegrass song that he would like to play and share why this is one that he really enjoys. And I'm going to keep talking on the microphone. while Right. Well, it's a tough question because I don't want to play something too slow. You know, you can play whatever you want. Um, yeah, but I need to play what the people want. Like a <laughs> I would say that's one of the beauties of Kodo, though, is you get to play what you want and the people will enjoy it or they'll turn off the radio. You know what? But at the end of the day, the people who uh, listen to the radio and need the radio, they're not going to turn it off unless it's True. an NPR fun drive, in which case they will <laughs> sit in silence. <laughs> um, don't worry, we won't fund, fund drive you quite yet. Um, yeah, because I, cause I name dropped her. I might try uh, Porchlight. Um, by Aoife O'Donovan. Why do you like this song? Um, it's like a great, uh, I was about, the word that was on the tip of my tongue was vibe. It's a great vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a nice topic. Porch light, sitting on the porch. How lovely. Uh, it's not too long. Or maybe it's not long enough. Who knows? Because we have air to fill. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the first time that you heard this song? Yes. Uh, I th- am, well, I said that very confidently, but <laughs> I think it was probably on our radio show um, when Aoife O'Donovan came to the Bluegrass Festival at Mass Mocha. Um, what can you, what Mass Mocha? What are we talking sorry, about? Sorry, right. This is a, um, a big, I, I'm only saying it like it's a thing because it, in the region where I was from, it was a big thing. It was a big contemporary art museum. Got it. Like um, MoMA. Like the MoMA. Yeah, exactly. Um, or LACMA. Yeah. Um, and 
uh, it was in this old mill complex. So it was in rural mass, but it had a lot of cultural clout because it was so large and it was a cool exhibition space. So artists were uh, keen to get some of their stuff in there, you know. Um, it's kind of like an art playground. Oh, that's cool. Um, which is maybe, they may be like, oh, that's demeaning. But they're fun people, so they probably wouldn't say that. They probably say that. Playgrounds are fun. Yeah. Playgrounds are good. Yeah. Um, and the festival was called? Fresh Grass. Fresh Grass. Yeah, that's right. Fresh Grass Music Festival. Um and when Aoife O'Donovan came to play, my radio co-host and I, who both loved Chris Thiele's show, which Aoife featured prominently on, Facebook messaged her and said, will you come on High Tea Radio Hour? She did not respond. <laughs> um, but uh, I think on that, on that episode of High Tea, we played Porchlight. And let me uh, engineer you into some... Uh, a little bluegrass music and um, we'll be back to vote just to be eligible to sign the the darkest night I
There we go. That was Porchlight Aoife O'Donovan. I learned how to say her name correctly at Bluegrass this year. Did I do it right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Was, wait, was she here? Yeah, she was. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was great. Um, you are tuned in to KOTO Telluride. We're talking with Gavin McGough. Did I do that right? Yeah. Perfect. Um, names, they're hard. Um, uh, Gavin is working with the KOTO news team this summer to do some reporting um, for us. Hailing from the great state of New Hampshire, you said that there are some, I don't know, maybe it, sound, it, it sounds a little bit like sibling rivalry, maybe, between New Hampshire and Vermont. What are the, what would you say are like the biggest fraction points and why is New Hampshire better? Mm, well, I think they grew up together as sort of um, similar similar states, right? They're nestled right together on the map so pleasingly that they automatically became the twin states. And in many ways, they're very intertwined um, because it's like uh, the Connecticut River separates them and everybody along the Connecticut River kind of crosses over um, and... Uh, yeah, so so culturally, economically um, interdependent, and you definitely know people. Like I had family who lived in Vermont, so there's a lot of visiting. Um, but then, of course, like regional things are always a little competitive um, or something, and they are very different places. I think New Hampshire definitely has like a libertarian ethos. That Vermont is much more just straight up liberal. Um, New Hampshire, being close to Boston in the south, has a lot more suburbs that uh, Vermont is kind of looks down on as uh, unappealing, um, which, you know, I mean, the suburbs get a bad rap, so who's to say what? But uh, you just like, you know, little things, like whose maple syrup is sweeter, whose mountains are higher, whose lakes are more pristine. Um, these are all topics of conversation. <laughs> What was the town that you... Because you, you told me you oh, grew up in a, a small town. You're going to make me see the name of my town. I wasn't going to, but now I am. It's 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 Plainfield. Oh, bless. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I didn't grow up in a town much... Yeah, it wasn't super glamorous. That's okay. Tell me about... Um, it's it's a small town, though. Tell me about it, right? Well, yeah. Um, it's a small town, but in a way that... In a different way than Telluride is a small town. Uh, Telluride is... Um, the metropolis that I've come to upon graduation, uh, quite cosmopolitan by, I mean, I mean, maybe not, but like there's a certain density of people here in Telluride, which we just does not happen in New Hampshire, small town. So it's kind of like a similar number of people, but over 50 square miles rather than in one little, like, well, like street gridded connection, you know? Um, so I definitely didn't grow up with like a neighborhood, uh, or with people that I could bike down the street to. Um, so it's kind of just uh, me, my siblings, uh, the like 18 people who were in my grade in my elementary school. Holy smokes. That's yeah. small. Crazy. K through eight. I 18, went to school. 18 kids K through eight? Well, in my grade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, so does... Coming to Telluride, I mean, obviously you've just explained why it's different, but does it does it have like a, a homey feel kind of in that respect, being a small town, or does it feel very different from, from what you maybe would have expected it to be? 
So I had actually, it, it actually feels more small towny in some ways than I had expected. Hmm. But maybe that's just because of the way I've been interacting with it through Kodo and also um, as somebody who is on a budget. <laughs> uh, so like, I guess I had come before for ski season. Okay. Um, and had understood it as a vacation place, you know, which does not feel like a small town. It feels like a destination. It is. I mean, what a wonderful place to be. Um, but then, I don't know, just through some of my initial time here, uh, seeing people on the trail and then at, you know, the coffee shop later um, certainly is a feature of life here. And that is a, like a small town thing that Plainfield didn't even have because there were like, there was a coffee shop. Um, so when would you like have a run in, you know? Um, but yeah. Yeah. Does that answer that question? Sure. Satis- to, to satisfaction. Yeah. Which is to say more of a small town feel than I had expected because I had thought, uh, you know, destination, lots of turnover and who is here, which I do. I feel all these things. Um, but then there's also certain resort things where main street is like a wind tunnel of people. And then as soon as you step off it, like it's the same man walking his dog every day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you get here? Not physically. I, oh, I, I mean, was about or to both. say via car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> via car. <laughs> um, but what brought you to Telluride? Um, shout out to the Holbrooks. I hope some, I, well, I know one of them at least is listening. Maybe some others have tuned in. Um, and they, I, I visited, stayed with them in March twice over the years that I was in college. Um, once to ski, once just to like hang out and do a little bit of skiing and generally explore um, the great wild west uh, in which I was unschooled. Um, but uh, yeah, I went to school. I went to school with Kitty Holbrook, who is must be known to some who are listening right now, and um, am now lodging with them. This is pretty exciting. Nice, but what? Okay, so you just you just graduated from college from Williams. And oh yeah, I mean the other answer to that question is Kodo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> um, no, but Julia, yeah. it was you. <laughs> <laughs> Me specifically. <laughs> um, specifically, a phone call. We yeah, had, yeah, I know we did. We had a we had a um, phone call. You were in no, you were in like a like an art studio when we first talked on the phone. Right. No, I was making my quilt. You were. That's right. Actually, had you called me at any point, any point this spring, I probably would have been making my quilt. Tell me about your quilt. Um, it was hand sewn. That's why I was always making it. Is um, it like the Sagrada Familia that's just never done? It's done now. <gasps> it is? Okay, yeah. so paint a picture. What is this quilt? Why does it exist? <sighs> it was for credit. It was for the grade. It was for the school. Um, it was a studio art class with one of the most inspiring professors that I had. Um, and I had taken lino cut printmaking with her and really fell in love with uh, the visual arts in a way that I never expected to. Um, and the the concept of the class was very simple. It was just hand sew a, an entire queen size quilt. Um, How long did you have? A semester. 
Yeah. That's a lot of work, dude. It's a lot of sewing. It's a lot of a very specific type of work that you don't usually do at a liberal arts school that is kind of highfalutin and theoretical. You See, know? I hear we're making a quilt as a class, and I'm like, that's such a liberal arts school thing to do. <laughs> right. No, I actually, it is such a liberal arts thing to do, but it was, it was still a very unique it was still a very unique experience of a class. Like, it's the sort of thing that would not be offered at any school that wasn't a liberal arts school, but, um, you know, like, basket weaving is not uh, is not the only thing you do. Sometimes you read Hobbes or whatever. I don't know. What else did I do in, in college? Um, but, yeah, this was a whole tangent about the quilt. The quilt was based on... Uh, a darting minnows pattern. If anybody in Telluride is a quilter, please call. Um, we could talk about it. <laughs> 970-728-4333. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, so that is kind of like diamonds, diamonds and squares. Okay, I was going to say, is darting minnows, is that is that a type of pattern? Did you have yeah. literal fish on your... I did not have literal fish. I mean, I guess not literal fish, but... <laughs> quilted fish on your uh, being a lover of sardines I just picnicked right away as soon as it was done no I didn't do that um, but they were not they were just diamonds uh, squares triangles that I think could be interpreted as minnow like dart like um, sort of the way that a log cabin quilt pattern is made of a square and then interlocking rectangles surrounding it that does not necessarily is not necessarily reminiscent of a log cabin specifically visually but there's something about the construction of it that feels uh related um yeah so this was this was a pattern that was kind of i found in like the american folk quilt tradition and i just worked with it for a while um used old jeans and stuff um and it came together so that was a lot of, uh, well, that was one of my last big projects in, in school. Um, and to close the long loop, uh, yeah, we had a conversation about Kodo um, while I was quilting. And such was my uh, interest in radio and my regard for the station as communicated by um the Holbrook family um, that I was like totally ready to sign up. I love it. And drive the long way across country, which is the other answer to that question, which is by car. By car. Yeah. With your sister. With my sister, yeah. Um, okay, we have a question coming in. Um, what's a life lesson quilting taught... Wait, what's a lesson quilting taught you about life other than literally knowing how to make a quilt? Hmm... Sometimes it is just about doing the thing. I love that. Tell me more. Um, it's at a certain point, like, maybe you've planned. Maybe you've been interested in what you're doing. Maybe you've had fancies about what you're doing. Maybe you've had hopes and dreams and then there is the execution and of, of, of the project, not, you know, the literal <laughs> execution. Um, but the completion phase 
and that is related to having dreams and hopes but it is not always the same thing and you have to take the time and the pain to do the most with what you have and what your initial hopes were and sometimes the time the constraint is time or money or whatever it was but um yeah you have to just sit down you have to just do it at a certain point that was kind of what the quilt taught me and then the other side of that is that if you have an object like a quilt um or even a project that's been big in your life the meaning of it will not only be what you wanted it to be and what it initially meant to you but will be all of the time that maybe others can't even see or maybe others don't even care about but is uh sort of um behind that behind that thing yeah like that was with you for a long time and you're gonna feel mixed ways about it because you were i had covid while i was quilting and you know what the quilt came with me all the way through covid so yeah yeah um, I'm going to give you this pre my next question so you can start thinking about it. I imagine cool. that you listen to a lot of music while you are quilting because it's a lot of time or while you're doing art in general. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you to think of a, a song that reminds you of the quilt Okay. that we can play. But also, because um, you have a degree in art, not quilting specifically, right? But in... Not... I, <laughs> I, some, someday I hope to have a degree in quilting. <laughs> um, but what, what drew you to um, just focusing on like art in general as as something that is an area of study that you really enjoy um hmm i mean i always think i think like looking back i always liked aesthetic things i always liked um i don't know i always uh as a taurus okay if we're really going to get to know me on the show then we could do astrology like had an affection for like flowers and food and things like that um so i think that's definitely related to having aesthetic desires and principles um, and wanting a certain way of seeing the world to be solidified and communicated or created. Um, but then I also just had very, I had a very inspiring professor um, who talked about process and kind of art as a, as a daily act and art making as something that could be folded into the process of living that um, was just very uh, stunning for me to to learn. Um, and from there, yeah, it was just a, a means of expression that I enjoyed. Yeah. Nice. Oh, and on the subject of, you want to hear a song from... From the time of quilting. Yeah. Um, do you know the artist Grimes? Yeah. Yeah. I that was she was the reason my quilt got made um which is maybe counterintuitive because for those who don't know Grimes it's a lot of just like kind of wild electronic um mess <laughs> uh and it's not it's not very folksy or bluegrassy um that's okay we all contain multitudes yeah and you know what the thing was that a lot of the quilting happened late at night when I wanted to be elsewhere and <laughs> I was exhausted. Um, and when I was dying, then... Not literally? Grind, not I'm literally. I'm assuming. <laughs> when I was 
fatigued, when I was dying of fatigue, not dying my fabric, um, then Grimes would give me um, a new source of life and conviction with which to continue my work. Um, I listened to a lot of the album Misanthropocene. Let's do Art Angels, because that one's a lot less explicit, though. Should we play a Grimes song? Yeah, let's, yeah. All right. Um, this one is, hmm, oh, I'm torn, I'm torn, because I really do love them all. Pick uh, one that's not explicit. For sure, yeah. Actually, uh, for listeners who don't like explicit music, Art Angels, not very explicit. We're going to play California um, by Grimes. Uh, and see if you have a whole new wave of energy with which to face your evening. Um, yeah. All right. We'll be back soon.
Amazing. That was Grimes, which I just learned in that break. Gavin, we're talking with Gavin McGough. You got it. <sighs> Guys, oh, sorry. I'm doing so well with this name. Um, who is working with the KOTO news team this summer to make some news with us. Um, but we were talking before the, the song that you made a quilt and listened to a lot of Grimes while making said quilt. And I learned that you put a little tag into the hem of the quilt that said, thank you, Grimes, when you finished it. I did. Um, have you seen the movie Phantom Thread? No. Fabulous movie. I <laughs> highly recommend. The Daniel Day-Lewis sews messages into the gorgeous gowns that he makes. So I was... Um, I was like, oh, I should put little messages in my quilt. And one of the ones that I snuck in on a little piece of paper into the seam was, um, thank you, Grimes. Were there any other ones? Um, there was another one. And I took a photo of it, but I kind of forget what it said. <laughs> um... Oh, oh, that was the end of that story. <laughs> well, okay. So, Sorry, I thought you were looking for it. So I opened my, <laughs> you know, the quilt contains multitudes, uh, as, as do does humans. as does my camera roll, yeah. and I just decided I didn't want to start that project right now. Fair enough. You know, let's move on to another topic that you discussed, which is the fact that you're a Taurus. Yep. Sun. What are you moon Taurus and sun. what are you moon and rising? Actually, so my moon and rising are not Taurus. Okay. But. Other than that, I'm extremely heavy Taurus. Okay. So I'm I'm a the Leo rising. Okay. Which I think is based on presentation. Okay. Um, or and not and by presentation I mean like social, uh, tendency or something as far as I understand. Uh huh. Um. And my moon is in. So I'm, I don't think my moon's in Taurus, but let me check. This I can find on my phone much more easily than I can find uh, some other... I'm going to jump in and say, so there's a it. website, Instagram, something. It's called CoStar Astrology. Yeah, that I'm tells on you it things. Now. Yeah, so there one I of am. the... They do like little listicle type things, and one of them is Obscure Career Ideas, which seemed like a fun one. And for Taurus, um, the... Taurus's obscure career idea is couch tester. Does that feel like it would no. suit for you? No. Why no. not? I don't think I'm that kind of Taurus. Okay. I'm not a couch Taurus. I I am, have a lot of energy, which is sometimes anxious energy and is sometimes like good energy. But I don't. I mean, I, I you know I I like a couch like, but I don't spend a lot of time on couches. Okay. Although maybe there's an aspect of me that. Uh, is somewhat critical, you know? So to be a couch you tester, you have to say no to right. that couch. I, you have to say, I would frankly rather walk than <laughs> sit on that couch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some Tauruses I think who are uh, of the ilk that that would be, you know, there would be, they would choose the couch a lot. It would have to be a bad, a real bad couch. Um, but yeah. Did you find out what your moon was? Aries. Aries. Aries moon. It's just kind of crazy. Um, that actually, I had known that 
uh, I was an Aries moon, um, but I was somewhat surprised to see it again. It's always like a shock, you know, like. <gasps> I feel like somebody else could do really great in this conversation. I'm not necessarily that person because right. I don't know a lot about. Well, when's your birthday? Well, I know what I am, but I. It just happened, right? You're a cancer. I am. I'm a, a cancer sun. Um, Pisces moon Virgo rising, I think. So, but I couldn't tell you a lot about what that Virgo means about and Pisces, myself. I couldn't tell you a lot about those. Um, <laughs> I just know that cancer season is my most like, I just listen to a lot of Mitski and I'm at my most creative and my most frustrated. It's a time of aggravation, uh, and exploration. Interesting. And I don't know if that holds true for this cancer season, but like the beginning of summer, I don't know there's resonance with that. Like you're usually doing something new. Um, you're usually doing something new and you're stuck in your old habits. Do you feel like you're in that now? Or was that like summer season and now you're past it or are you still That's there? That's a good question. Because I, when I graduated, I said no to the semester schedule. Um, and I now have endless time in front of me. But the seasons, they ring true, right? Whether you're in school or not. Um, and the stars will not lose track of you. Actually, I had a whole complex that because I took a plane ride for the first time in um, many, many years that the stars had lost track of me and that's why I was having bad karma. Um, so I said, I need to get to tell your ride and I need to recenter and the stars need to find me again. So that's the, what I'm going through right now. How do you feel like it's going? Pretty good. We've had good stars. Uh, from my bed, I can see the big dipper every night, which is very special. Um, and you know, it does make sense that the stars would lose track of you if you radically moved because, of course, time and place are tied together by the stars. You know, they change every in the season. Like in winter in New Hampshire, Orion is just stunning in the sky. But it's not there in the summer. Um, so anyway, if, if you're listening and think that is just crooked talk, then maybe you're right. Why do you feel like it's important for the stars to, to have track of who, where and who you are? Um, well, I was somebody who had spent most of my life in a very kind of specific location and type of area. I had not moved much. I was not somebody who was used to moving. I felt like I was somebody who's very consistent. And these things, I mean, I've been here one week. So <laughs> it's not as if I'm a different person now. And maybe I'll find that uh, there's a very little difference, which would be interesting and fitting for a cancer season. Um, but I had this sort of complex that if you know, you move from a person who is sort of a sedentary and rooted person into somebody who suddenly is moving around quite a bit, then there was going to be uh, an enormous amount of disruption and like growing pains involved in something like that, because that's a big change. Um, and yeah, I was, I was worried about transit and all that comes with it. Um, and I was having, I don't know, I was just having, uh, I was losing things. I was losing money. It was all these funny things that were happening to me. Um, but I think that at a certain point, that it being very rational, you would just say, well, going through an airport alone is a horrendous thing to do, um, which is very true, you know. But then, you know, there are certain karmic energies that can uh, aid or hinder your voyage. 
I think it's interesting both with a trip, as we know, that you took to France that we're all very jealous of, um, and also a, a move most of the way across the country is those were the steps that you took to be found again by the universe. Right. You made radical moves to be found. Right. And I could have, I could have like gone back to where I was from, you know, and maybe would have found something there too. But I definitely need to stay here long enough in order to be relocated before I can go again. Right. Um, or else I'll just become a permanently uprooted person, which, you know, maybe that's how it is for, for, maybe that's good and healthy for some people. And maybe I could learn that way of life. We'll see. Well, we're happy to have you while we do. Yeah, there we go. Well, okay. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are rapidly approaching the end of the hour, which is bonkers. It goes so fast. Bonkers. They always do. They always do. They always always do. do. Um, You mentioned that at the beginning that one of the very first radio stories that you ever did was a a piece about your grandmother and reading to her. as she has Alzheimer's, and I asked if you had it and could play it for us, and you said... I might have it, is what I said. <laughs> and you said, I might, all right. And I, I will continue to not make any promises. I, I can promise that I have radio pieces that I've made. Okay. If we want to play... I will settle for a blackberry one. picking in your backyard if we cannot find right. grandmother. Right, the OG. Um... So, okay, while you're looking for that, I want you to talk and search at the I same can, time. I can talk and search. Um, what is, you've kind of touched on it already, but what is it about telling stories in an auditory medium that you find compelling and enjoyable? Um, I had a... Uh, now I'm looking into my archive of pieces that I've made. Um, there was I made one about a carrot cake because our luxury almond flour got stolen. I appreciate how many of these stories and also your first story here at Kodo involve food. Yeah, well, you know what? You're a baker you as well, eat. right? I am a baker. How um, have you found baking at Elevation? I have found that I've made pie and only pie, which uh, I think you can alter a pie for... Um, sadly, we're gonna... It's not gonna, it's not gonna go. <gasps> oh, no. Because you know what? It's 21 minutes long. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah that's not going to work. Yes, simply, we don't have that kind of luxury here. Um, <laughs> oh, I was talking about pie baking. <laughs> so, so what has happened behind the scene um, is that I found my radio piece that I was supposed to find, and it's actually 21 minutes. Too long. Too long. It's simply too long. Um, even, even I can do that math, and I was an English major. Um, but now that I'm an engineer, hey, um, the thing that I was talking about pie was pie, which is to say that I don't think there's much leavening involved in that. So I don't think you have to alter that much. Mm-hmm. I miss my sourdough bread. Listeners, if you have a sourdough starter, I did not bring mine. I would love a small corner of yours. Um... And I will, I will get to baking, uh, and I will, I will let you know how it all goes. Um, but yeah, big baker. Um, was the sourdough? Were you one of the COVID sourdough people, or were you sourdough baking long before the pandemic hit? The pandemic was good for my sourdough skills, but it, pre- it preceded it. Yeah. I don't want to make assumptions 
about your life. But so far, a lot of the things I know about you are you quilt, you like to bake, you grew up in what feels like a very rural spot. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it's a quaint. You have a quaint. Did, did you, do you feel like you had a quaint childhood? Oh, yeah. For sure it was a quaint childhood. Um, but I don't know. There are also things that are like hilariously out of sync with that. Like what? Well, just like the reality of having siblings and like the amount of violence that is involved in that. Go on. <laughs> well, are you a single child? No. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like there's nothing quaint about like, I don't know, about siblings. They're not quaint. Um, and I was a middle child, so I would have to like sit between them in the back seat as you went to school. There was one... Because um, you you have an older brother and a younger older sister. Older brother, younger sister. Yep. While we were road tripping out here, my sister um, reminded me that she... My brother went through this phase where he would just... I, I, it was a very upset phase for him. And it was while we were all riding to school together. And... We were on this, I was on this road trip with my sister and she was laughing about one specific memory of this phase that she had when Chase was looking out the window. I'm assuming Chase is your brother. My older brother. And was extremely mad at my mother who was driving um, and how slow she was going and said, you are going so slow. I can see every single tree that we are passing. And... Uh, Willa would say that to me as we were driving. <laughs> I can see literally every single tree. You're going infuriatingly slowly. Um, Are you a slow driver? No. Okay. Um, but, you know, look carefully and you can see the trees. Anyway, I don't know what this has to do with quietness, but... Um, okay, we it, we it didn't. We moved on from that. So you drove here from New Hampshire. Yeah. What was the best part? How A, how long did that take you? And what was the best part of your road trip? Coloradans, your good news. Colorado was the best part. We stayed in Leadville, uh, where my sister spent some time in high school. And the last day, we drove down to Buena Vista and then up 50 from Gunnison to Montrose, down into Telluride. And it was just a beautiful day of driving. Um, other other places that were wonderful Iowa my sister got quite annoyed about how much I talked about how much I loved Iowa because I was just so charmed it was green there were these like rolling like bouncing meadows they have windmills everywhere Nebraska has no windmills I thought I was in the Netherlands I thought I was in Scandinavia we stopped in Iowa we stopped in Des Moines Mm mm-hmm um, ostensibly just for coffee, but my father, when he was trying to upgrade our phone plan so we would have more data so we could use our map, actually canceled our phone plans entirely. So it was early morning <laughs> before we had realized our phone plans were canceled and we were in Des Moines and the phones were not working to get us back on the interstate. So we had a great detour. Uh, was it was it was it planned or you just ended up wandering? No, it was kind vehicle-y. of like it was kind of like oh funny we need some coffee and we need these phones to work and we're not finding either of these. It's just a gorgeous suburb, um, 
it was kind of like a Laura Ingalls Wilder moment. Okay. Um, where I was sort of like, well, we'll just stay here. You know, we'll just put down roots here. Uh, not that that's a good impression of Laura. Um, this is a reference to Little House on the Prairie. Yes. A pioneer book. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. I, I just feel like I talked about... Go to Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, is to say, go to Iowa. Um, and not Nebraska, because they're similar, but... That's the interesting thing you learn about. I learned a lot about the country and how uh, vast and varied it is, even even the infrastructure of the states and like how many different needs there are. So, of course, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of different folks and a lot of different disagreements going on, you know, when you got that much space. can say that multiple times over. Yep. Um, so you, as we've now mentioned many a time, you're here for um, the summer to be working with KOTO News. What are K-O-T-O. some of the things that you're really excited about? Granted, you've only been here a week, so we'll give you some time to settle in and really figure out all the gossip. No, we don't report on gossip. Um, all the things you want to report on. But what are some of the things that you're excited about reporting in Telluride and San Miguel County this summer? Hmm, interesting. I... I'm very interested in the no the idea of sustainability in the West, sustainable development. I know housing is a huge issue here. Immediately that was clear. Um, resort community housing feels like a very specific and loaded issue. Um, but then the other side of that is like more broadly how, what responsibilities do we have in, in building and housing people and remaining sustainable economically, climatologically as a place? Um, those feel like big questions to me. Um, then definitely there are things that are very uh, resonant about um, how a place changes and fear about how a place changes and lack of control about um, how a place changes. I'm keeping an eye on the clock, but I do have time. Um, this can be a preview. I still even have the tab up of a news story later to come this week about the uh, town visioning process, um, which was presented today at town council. And some of there's there's been a survey of Telluride and surrounding area residents, um, and one of the questions was, "What is one word you would use to describe Telluride?" Overwhelmingly beautiful, gorgeous, stunning, things like that. Uh, home, paradise. But then there was also another side that was very like uh, dark, lost, threatened, expensive, um, that feel. Uh, or like transitioning. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of like um, uh, angst and difficulty and loss involved in change. Um, and because we've been talking so much about my own home during this uh, hour of radio, that is something that I like struggle with with my own conception of place um, and wanting something to stay the same, but knowing that uh, because of the circumstances of life and times, then... Um, even something as uh, rhythmical as the seasons will not 
be with us forever. So, yeah. I love that. You can't step in the same river twice. Is that a saying? Yeah. Dang. Because it's always moving. That is so true. Yeah. Um, on that note of... You got to gotta chase that river. Just chase it. You got to just run as fast R- as you can. Run. Real fast. Real fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note of change and transition, we are nearing the top of the hour We will where we will be changing and transitioning into another program here on KOTO. Um, Power Surf Radio is officially in the Purple House on Pine, so we'll be moving over to him pretty quick. But, um, Gavin, I'm going to ask for one more song before we go. Maybe a song that reminds you of home or transition or whatever you so choose. My sister was listening and just texted uh, to say, No! I knew you were going to say Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Iowa. Um, Yeah, shout out to Iowa. We'll put it on... Um, and shout out to Willa. Willa? Shout out to Willa. Um, I, we, should we, we could do Mike, Michael Hurley, which is folk. Are you here for the festival? Go for it. That's the question that people have been asking me about my stay in Telluride. Um, they're like, are you here for the festival? And I'm like, I'm here for Kodo. Yes. Which means you'll be going to festivals. <laughs> and you know what? They say, Kodo, that is the festival. Yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. And on that. <laughs> um, thank you, everybody, for tuning into KOTO Telluride. This has been Off the Record. I'm Julia Caulfield. I've been speaking with Gavin McGough for the past hour. Um, you'll hear his dulcet tones on the news in the coming months. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, we have Pauser Radio. And we'll be back next week with more Off the Record. Thank you for those who texted in with questions rather than calling. Um, although calls would have been welcome as well. And we'll bring you the news in the coming days. Thanks for listening. Did you ever leave Nelsonville with a broken heart? Did you ever leave Woodstock? Falling apart You was doing alright Things went wrong You was up all night Singing along I know you went to the Federal Fest And you would not take a rest Listen to her playing that thing No good if there ain't no mud Come along, Uncle Bud You can get you a belly full Are you on a festival? Fiddle fast And you will not 
Festival. 